From the Ground Farmers Market Collective Markets make shopping for fresh local food easy with multiple payment options, including credit debit cards and bridge cards. Stop by the market table at our markets in Houghton, Hancock, and Calumet and use your card to purchase tokens that can be used at all three locations and do not expire. For more information about all the food access programs we offer, ask our market table staff or visit fromthegroundfmc.org. This message is brought to you by Portage Health Foundation. Welcome to another edition of Copper Country Today. I'm Todd Van Dyke. Our program is always brought to you by the Portage Health Foundation. Find out more about them at phfgive.org. As we broadcast this on Sunday morning, the kids are going back to school in basically two days, day after tomorrow, tomorrow being Labor Day. And I thought that maybe we should kind of catch up on what's going on with our local school district scheduling, things of that nature, with Jim Raudiola, who is the superintendent of the Copper Country Intermediate School District. Jim, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me, Todd. I'm excited to be here. Let me ask you first about the timing going back to school. We have stuck to the kids going back after Labor Day here in the Copper Country, but there are an awful lot of school districts around the state. Some, I think, have been in session for a couple of weeks already. My grandsons down in southwest Michigan went back this past week. I think Ontonagon County started this past week. Is the waiting until after Labor Day thing working for us yet? I believe so. I mean, really, it's up to the local districts um, what they would like to do. But you're right, our friends on on the western side of the UP started early and, and Ontonagon is, is back in session also. The move some years ago in the state to try to require everybody to wait until after Labor Day was actually fueled in part by us up here because we wanted to keep those vacation windows open. We didn't want people to be handicapped and not be able to come visit us those weeks or two before Labor Day. But if this is happening downstate more and more, maybe we're losing that battle. Yeah, it, it's hard to say. Um, you know, like I mentioned, it, it's up to the local districts, and um, oftentimes our our falls are nicer than our springs. So sometimes I think that weighs into into the decision too. Yeah, we've seen in recent years. I actually I talked to a meteorologist about this this spring, and he says there does seem to be some creep in the seasons. The spring is now cooler for longer and the summer kind of hangs on a little bit longer into fall, which can be a bit of a challenge if you go back to class and all of a sudden it's 85 degrees. Those, there's no air conditioning in our schools here. Uh, no, there's a very few areas of the school that have air conditioning, maybe some of our computer labs and whatnot. But yeah, it gets definitely warm in our local buildings. And of course, they went back uh, many years ago and they... they, they insulated all of these buildings. They took the big windows, they made them into small windows. My mother was a teacher for many years, and I remember when they did that in her classroom many, many years ago. She said, these people are crazy. What am I going to do when it's 90 outside? Near down to this little bitty window that was opening up. It was miserable. So fortunately, that doesn't last long in our neighborhood. Yeah, that's correct. The schedule, you mentioned it is up to the local schools, but they do put the schools in this area on basically... Um, they're basically in unison. We try to, you know, we try to make that easy for families um, so everybody starts and ends around the same date. Um, really, the only dates that a district needs to, well, we try to comply with are Christmas break and spring break, just so families can plan. And then there's, there's breaks throughout the year that districts can um, plan for on their own. 
Yeah, uh, in-service days uh, in some cases, I suppose, and uh, uh, test you know, around exam times, I sometimes see a half half days, full days, things of that nature. But of course, there are some districts that share transportation, and, and so they're they're kind of locked together, at least in many cases as well. Yeah, transportation does become an issue, and and even for us at the CCISD, we provide the CTE programming, uh, which you know all of the local high schools are involved with. So. Um, it becomes a coordination issue for us, too, to try to get the kids um, into CTE classes so everybody gets the same materials when they need it. How does that work? Let's say I've got a child in the Lant School District, but they're involved in the CTE program. How do you get them from Lantz to, say, the CTE Center in Hancock? They're transported by bus if they want to come to our programming up here. There are some CTE programs in the Lantz Berga area also, sure. um, but we do have transportation from all the local districts, or the local districts coordinate transportation to get to our programs. That has been a significant success story, I think, that CTE program. Since that millage was passed here in the area, the investment uh, seems to be paying back. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's incredible the opportunities that students have today, uh, you know, that we didn't have 10 years ago, and, and it's just, it's heartwarming to um, watch these kids go through our CT programming and then get jobs in our communities. So we work very closely with industry to try to meet the needs of the community and give the kids a running start uh, when they exit the the doors. Yeah, I did an interview a few weeks ago on this program about uh, the growing number of internships that are available for high school students. Uh, is that something that's moving into this area as well? Yeah, we do have some internship. Um, programming going on and we actually just hired a work-based learning coordinator so that we can coordinate with all the local districts to try to give these kids uh, some work-based learning experience while they're in high school. How does that work on behalf of an employer? Say I'm, a, I'm an employer and I'm saying gee uh, I'm having trouble hiring people maybe I'd like to get somebody at an early age and see if I can move them into my business or maybe just uh, I'd like to give back to my industry and offer something to a child. How does that work from their standpoint? Well I mean obviously finding the best fit is paramount um, but really just you know talk to the local schools if, if you have a need um, talk to the counselors um, and we do have to tie the work-based learning experience uh, to some CTE curriculum. So there are some um, criteria that, that we need to meet. But we pretty much, if a student has an interest and we can tie them with an employer, there's usually a pathway that we can, we can find to make it work. So let's look ahead to this school year, which starts in just a couple of days. Are there any big new things coming up? that we need to know about either locally or state requirements where do we stand with the i know the state is always giving us new adventures <laughs> uh, you are correct the state is always giving us new adventures yeah I, I think on a positive note from the state level is school funding is up finally yes um so you know we're able to to pay a more competitive wage um to our staff um our ct cte numbers are up i think we're up about 60 students so there's more opportunities uh, for students there. I, I believe those, now, I, th I think our CT number is right around 370 for the year. Um, so that's a positive thing. Uh, we're, we will see a lot of uh, mental health services that we're trying to provide. The state did provide some funding to schools and ISDs and whatnot to provide mental health services. The challenge is finding people, you know, finding folks to fill those roles. Um, but I feel like we're we're on the positive side of being able to provide some of the services and you know coming out of the last couple of school years 
uh, with the pandemic, it's been a challenge for students. Um, and th there is a huge mental health need. So I feel like we're starting to at least address that. Yeah, that's uh, something we, we've seen, unfortunately, again, over the last several years, a couple of uh, suicides in the region. And it's something that we just all have to be very much on the lookout for. And it's really hard to spot. And having trained people in place can make a difference, can't it? Absolutely. So we're getting more money from the state. You've mentioned that that uh, will help us perhaps raise the salaries for school employees, uh, significantly perhaps teachers. We've had a lot of trouble finding teachers, keeping teachers over the last few years. A lot of them retired when the COVID-19 pandemic uh, came up or moved on to something else. Are we seeing any light in the horizon on that? Um, unfortunately, no. Um, you know, a lot of we've, we're trying to grow our own. We're, we're trying to beat the bushes to find folks that either retired and would like to come back or were certified and maybe weren't working in education. Um, but it's a challenge, and education is not the only industry that, that's facing this challenge. Um, we, are, we have some folks out there that, that have taken the challenge, and they might have a bachelor's degree, and we're able to find pathways for them to get them into the classroom. So if you have a passion and, this is, and you're willing to go down the path, I feel like we can find a way. But um, education, the shortage in, in not only teachers but bus drivers and paraprofessionals and, and maintenance, um, it's very real, and we're feeling it. You know, yeah. The uh, some of those pathways you talked about. I mentioned to a teacher uh, <laughs> recently um, that you know, in theory, I could go into the classroom. I would test for knowledge in several subjects, and uh, and and I could go back. In, I could go into the classroom. I've never been in the classroom, and the teacher kind of looked at me and said, "Yeah, but boy, you know, we're." Those of us who did the whole four years and got the whole degrees and everything, we're not always so accepting of those people. Is it a challenge to integrate somebody, say like myself, who's never been in a classroom before, who may know the topic, but is it a challenge to integrate me into the atmosphere at a school? I don't think so. If you have the right heart and, and your passion is there and um, what we're doing is good for kids, you know, I think you'll be a good fit. You know, teaching is one of those professions or education in general. It's a service profession. You know, it's not something that somebody just signs up for and says, well, th this is my job. I mean, they're, they're jobs, they're careers, but it's more service oriented. So really it comes down to the heart and, you know, we can teach a skill set, but you have to have the heart and the passion to want to uh, educate kids and, and give back to the community. How much of it is education as opposed to how much of it is classroom management and uh, almost bureaucracy at this point? Well, classroom management is paramount because if you can't manage the class, it's very hard for you to teach. But uh, in terms of, of keeping books and records and uh, following through with kids who maybe have special needs, things of that nature, is that a bigger challenge perhaps for somebody coming into the classroom than just sitting down and saying, okay, I know a lot about English, I'm a writer, I can teach uh, grammar to the kids? That's part of it. There's definitely a lot of paperwork that, that goes with um, any profession because there's record keeping. Um, but there's staff available to help with that. So we realize that you know, nobody's born with a pencil or a hammer in their hand per se, <laughs> and, and we can teach the skill set, but you have to want to go down that path and you have to want to learn. Talking with Jim Raudiola, he's the superintendent of the Copper Country Intermediate School District. 
Let's talk about some of the other things that you need in terms of personnel. You mentioned school bus drivers, uh, support staff. Uh, any luck on that count? Bus drivers are very difficult um, to find um, with the CDL requirement and, and the physicals that go with it. So um, if somebody's interested in in driving bus, you know, I don't think you're going to have too much of a difficult time finding a job. Um, we are still being able to fill positions, uh, but I would say just about every local district has a position open. So if you're interested, contact who, your local school district or the CCISD? I would say both. Um, talk to your, if, if there's a particular district that you would like to to uh, be employed at, reach out to them. You can reach out to the CCISD and we can uh, forward contact information on. All right. And substitute teachers, where do we stand with those? I know that's been a challenge. That's also a challenge. So what we've really tried to do with the substitute teachers, um, if somebody's a, a really rock star sub, you know, we'll try to twist their arm per se to say, hey, we think you should be a teacher and try to find a pathway for them to be able to get into the classroom. Um, our, I think we probably, we have a fair number of substitute teachers signed up um, through our will sub system, we go through a third party system um, in hiring the subs. But you're, you are correct, on any given day, there, there will need to be a sub at any one of our local schools. And it's a challenge to fill that, fill that role. And a lot of them come last minute. You know, the call might come early in the morning and, and it's hard to fill that position if you don't have the time frame to do it. Yes, yeah, teacher gets sick in the morning. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you can't provide 48 hours notice for something like that. Define rock star sub. Well, I would say, you know, back to that heart, that, that person that can go in and engage the kids and essentially carry out the sub plan that that the teacher has laid out, you know, because it, it's a, it's a skill set to be able to go in and, and essentially lead a, a group of kids for six, seven hours um, with plans that somebody else created. Yeah, I would assume that subbing does give you a little bit of flexibility. You can say, hey, I'm gonna go visit the grandkids today, or I'm going to go do this or that today, and I'm not gonna take a call that comes in. So there's a little flexibility there. Absolutely. But on the other hand, you're basically paid by the day. There are no benefits involved, nothing like that? Correct, you're paid per time. What's the going rate at this point? It varies across the local districts. Um, I would say it ranges anywhere from 100 to $125 a day. Um, if you sign up to be a long-term sub, the rate may go up to around 140 And if you want to sign up to be a sub, how do you go about that? And what do you have to bring to the table? Do you have to have a teaching degree? You do not have to have a teaching degree. Um, there usually is a credit requirement. Um, it used to be 90 credits. I believe the state dipped down to 60 credits now in order for you to sub, but you do not have to have a degree. You do have to have some college credits. Do those credits have to be in something specific or can they be in pretty much anything? Pretty much anything. You know, so if, if you're interested in subbing and you feel like you, you meet the criteria, you know, reach out either to the local district or the CCISD and we can get you the paperwork to get set up to at least get into the system and, and give you the option to get into the classroom. Is there some help if you've never done it before? Uh, you're just going to be dropped in a classroom in front of uh, you know, 25 screaming kindergartners and say good luck? Well, sometimes it's just good luck. You know, other times uh, subs will come in and say, hey, you know, can I job shadow for a day? Can I uh, meet with the teacher ahead of time? And, and, and they do their homework. So it really depends on the personality of the individual. But it would be a, a challenge to be able to 
prepare somebody for every classroom in every district because the, the needs are so different. Well, that was my next question. Are there specific topics where you are most in need? Or basically, if I'm a sub, if, if worse comes to worse, I mean, you don't want to put me in the chem lab. That was not my strength in school. <laughs> you might want to put me in front of the band. You might want to put me in front of an English class or a history class. There are places I probably would not work out very well. Well, you bring up a good point too. So if, if you if you were in the, the system and you were willing to sub, you could put the areas that you were interested in in subbing, whether that was band or art or English or math. Um, and we do try to match you know, the strengths to the classroom, but sometimes we don't have that option. Sometimes it's just we need somebody in front of kids and, and we're going to get through uh, that moment. Of course, the last uh, couple of years, Jim Rowdyola, the two-ton gorilla in the room, has been our friend COVID-19, which caused significant disruption two years ago, some disruption last year. Where do we stand going into this school year in terms of making sure that our buildings are, are safe, that our personnel are prepared for this? Well, we, we really learned a lot over the last two years, you know, not just in education, but I, I think... Um, nationally too. So you know, we're going to say, if you're sick, stay home. You know, we're going we're to do our best to keep the buildings clean and, and try to keep people healthy. But it really comes, comes down to the community. If you're sick, stay home. And See, whether... and that's such a change from when I was in school. When I was in school, it was basically, suck it up. You can do it. You can go to class. I think I, from sixth grade through my senior year in high school, I think I missed half a day. And there were some days when I went to school when I probably, by modern standards, should not have, and I probably infected some of my classmates with things. So this has kind of changed a little bit over the years. Well, in a point, but I think it's just, it's good common sense, you know, not, not to pass um, sicknesses on. So um, as far as like restrictions that we saw over the last two years of the pandemic, most of those have, have went by the wayside. And, and I, I think it's just coming down to common sense. If you don't feel well and you feel like you shouldn't be at work, you shouldn't be um, in a classroom full of kids, just stay home and, and we'll get you caught up the best we can when you're feeling healthy again. Yeah, I've watched the COVID-19 numbers statewide and there are outbreaks in some school districts downstate that have come back into session already. Some of the larger school districts, I'm seeing 150 kids have COVID. I suppose this is going to wind up being rather like influenza has been for us. There have been times over the last years that kids have gotten the flu to the point where attendance requirements aren't being met to get credit from the state for the day in class. I suspect we'll encounter this with COVID-19 a time or two as well. I suspect we will and we're hoping that the state will have some flexibility because I'd rather have some kids in school than than all of the kids out you know, so it would be nice if the state allowed some flexibility funding-wise, where if you dip below the the attendance percentage, you wouldn't get dinged financially. And so, uh, schools are being really intentional, real surgical as far as um, maybe classes that need to be out. Of course, it's not going to happen tomorrow, but we are eventually going to have winter weather and snow days and delays and things of that nature. You, of course, uh, are involved in making the call on those. Are we going to be operating together once again this year, Houghton and Keweenaw County Schools and Barriga County Schools working together so that if one shuts down, all do, that kind of thing? Yes, 
yeah, we definitely try to do that. And at the end of the day, um, I guess I'm the guy that gets to make the final call and, and receive the phone calls, good or bad. But we do definitely work together with all the local districts and, and try to make the, the best decision possible with the information that, that we have available. Walk me through how that works. Uh, you go to bed at night, I suppose, knowing that there's snow coming in. You have to set your alarm early, I suppose. Yeah, it, if you know there's a major storm coming, um, but it's real hit and miss on, on when it may arrive, uh, not a lot of sleep occurs that night just because you're getting up, you're, you're looking at the, the weather stations. Um, we do have Carl Bonac on retainer. He does provide some uh, expert weather advice for us on, on when he thinks uh, things will hit. Uh, and then it's a very early morning text messages and phone calls with the local superintendents, with the road commission, and just trying to piece all of the information together uh, to make a final call. And you hope you get it right, but some days you make the call and it's beautiful and sunny outside and you wonder, well, <laughs> what information, what is I using? Yeah, people come in, why did they close the schools today? Well, they thought something, they, you know, something seemed to be the case. And there are those times when you cl close proactively because you think if it's going to hit at noon, uh, you don't want to be in a situation where the kids are all sitting in classrooms and the snow is piling up and you have to try to get them home. Correct. And, you know, usually our rule of thumb is if, if we don't release by noon, they'll stay until the end of the day just because it's, it's very difficult to get the buses coordinated and whatnot. But we live in a very difficult area to predict weather. The Big Lake really throws some curveballs um, and just specific areas. I mean, you could be in Calumet or Painsdale and be getting pounded and down here by the bridge, uh, the sun is out, so yeah. it's, it's difficult. Well, and, and I have people who come up to me and because and, you know we make the announcements, <laughs> they say, why did they close today? Well, some of those roads out there up the peninsula in the rural areas uh, in the drifting patterns from the lake effect, uh, that could be completely impassable at this point, even though things are moving rather smoothly in Houghton and Hancock. And of course, uh, you know, Barraga County can be completely different than Houghton and Keweenaw counties. How do you manage to reach out and look at all of those different areas? Well, like I said, we, we have uh, all of the superintendents are on a text message group. So uh, we are texting back and forth. What are you seeing in your areas? How do your back roads look? We do talk to the different road commissions and if, for example, say the Houghton County Road Commission uh, contacts me at uh, 4.35 a.m. in the morning, says, Jim, um, you need to close school. Like, I don't ever question that. They're the boots on the ground. They're, they're the folks that are keeping yeah. our roads open. So that, that's not something that I would ever question. I think it gets a little bit more difficult when you're having a conversation with the road commissions or the different superintendents, and there's really not clear cut of, of how areas are looking. You know, So it's... It, at that point, sometimes it feels like you're flipping a coin or you're throwing a dart in to make the final call. And driving a school bus in a 35-mile-an-hour wind with driving snow is not the same as driving your SUV. Correct. That wind definitely moves uh, a bus. It becomes a big sail. Uh, one other question before we wrap this up here, Jim Rowdyola. Uh, the new Copper Island Academy opened last year. They, of course, are a public school, so they are part of the Copper Country Intermediate School District. How did it go integrating them into your programs? I feel like it went really smooth. Uh, you are correct. They are a public school in our area. We provide the same services uh, to them that we would any other school. And, and I feel like we had a, a really good working relationship 
as far as trying to address their needs. It's still a work in progress. We're still trying to learn um, the services and, and things that, that folks need, but we get that we get curveballs on a day-to-day -day basis in any of the districts that we work in. So I feel like overall it rolled out very smooth for us. Well, and you are providing a lot of services for districts and have been for a number of years now that districts used to shoulder themselves, uh, payroll services, accounting services, computer services, things of that nature. You've taken on a lot of that for local school districts, haven't you? We have. We have. I mean, really, the, the role of the ISD is we're a service agency. We're trying to coordinate services and provide things for local districts and the community that they typically um, cannot do or don't have the expertise in. So um, we stand shoulder to shoulder with them. It's not our job to tell anybody what to do. It's our job to seek out and say, hey, how can we help you? What is it that you need from us that we can support you with? So as we broadcast this on Sunday, school starts in two days. We wish all of our students good luck. We wish all of our teachers and administrators and support staff good luck going into the upcoming school district. And if you're a parent and you have an issue, um, I, the best thing I can say is talk to your school because every educator that I know in this area, and I know a ton of them, is, wants to do the best job they can for your kid. So Jim Rodiola, thank you for coming in on Copper Country today. Thank you for having me.